Welcome to Brush Up. Brush Up, your refresher on iconic historical events, fun facts, and much more. Stay tuned. I'm Roberto. I'm Judy. I'm from Quito, Ecuador. And I'm an American from France. We are both history enthusiasts. And today, we've whipped up some of our favorite facts about World War II. Here is your Brush Up. Today's episode will cover three main parts. First, we will discuss the build-up to the war. Then, we're going to talk about the war breaking out on both fronts. And finally, we will end with the Allies' progress towards victory. So before we talk about the war itself, we need to give a little context. World War I had a lasting effect on Europe. European nations had to rebuild from the damage of the war. There was economic hardship because of the Great Depression and debt from war and reconstruction efforts. And the Versailles Treaty that set the terms for the end of World War I forced Germany to give up invaded territory and prohibited them from expanding their military. So in Germany, political and economic instability, worsened by the Great Depression, led to the rise of the National Socialist German Workers' Party, also known as the Nazi Party. To learn more about the Great Depression, go listen to our episode about it. Adolf Hitler was a member of the Nazi party who gained popularity, and in 1933, he was elected as the Chancellor of Germany. A month later, the Reichstag, the building where the German parliament met, was set on fire. Hitler blamed the attack on communists, using this incident to enact the Reichstag Fire Decree that suspended civil liberties and was pivotal in Hitler's increased power as they mass-arrested suspected communists. Now, whether the fire was actually conducted by the accused communists or was staged by the Nazi party remains a subject of debate today. The following year, Hitler declared himself the supreme leader, or Führer in German, truly starting his dictatorship. Other political parties were prohibited, Hitler silenced his opponents, and he had the power to make decisions without actually going through parliament. During this period, Hitler broke the terms of the Versailles Treaty and secretly started rebuilding Germany's military. Germany didn't have the same colonial territories as other European powers, and his vision was to expand Germany's territory. Hitler believed in the superiority of the Aryan race, which is what he called the pure German race, so he quickly started persecuting minorities and especially Jewish people in Germany. An interesting fact is that when he was younger, Adolf Hitler wanted to become an artist, but he got rejected twice from the Academy of Fine Arts in Vienna. History may have been very different if he had made it. Hitler the artist. So he started his expansion in 1938 by sending troops to occupy Austria, and shortly after he invaded German-speaking parts of Czechoslovakia. At this point in time, there was little contesting from other countries. The US and the USSR were focused on internal affairs. France and Great Britain were busy recovering and rebuilding from the First World War. So they told Hitler that these invasions would be allowed if he stopped there. And as you may have guessed, he did not stop there. He invaded the rest of Czechoslovakia. And during the summer of 1939, he actually signed a German-Soviet non-aggression pact with Stalin, basically promising that they would not engage in any military action against each other moving forward. On his side, Stalin has been making some moves on his own. He gained some territory from Finland during the Russo-Finnish War in 1939, and he occupied the Baltic states Estonia, Latvia, and Lithuania in 1940s. So this pact between the Soviet Union and Germany really alarmed the rest of the world. Now Poland was kind of stuck between German territory and Soviet territory and could easily be invaded on two fronts. Great Britain and France therefore assured Poland that they would back them up if Hitler tried to invade. 
Despite this, on September 1, 1939, Hitler invaded Poland from the west. On the 3rd, Great Britain and France declared war on Germany, and other countries from the British Commonwealth joined in. This was the official start of World War II. On the 17th, the Soviets invaded Poland from the east, and early the next year, Poland was conquered and divided between the Germans and the Soviets. So now, the war had officially started. At the beginning of the war, it was referred to as the Phony War, since Great Britain and France did not act very much except through battles at sea. Germany took advantage of this and continued expansion efforts. In April 1940, Germany invaded Norway and Denmark. In May, they invaded Belgium and the Netherlands through a Blitzkrieg, a surprise attack. Shortly after, Hitler's troops broke through the Maginot Line in northeast France, which was a line of fortifications that had been built during World War I, and it was considered impenetrable. So now they had actually moved into France. Later in May, the British Expeditionary Force and some French troops were evacuated by the sea from Dunkirk in northwest France. You may have heard of the Battle of Dunkirk, or at least the evacuation, because it was very difficult. The beaches there were very shallow, so large British ships couldn't actually come too close to the coast. In the end, they had 800 to over 1,000 small boats from civilians or fishing boats help with the evacuation. Really showing a sense of teamwork and community between European nations. France ultimately fell to Germany in June 1940. The French Prime Minister, Paul Henault, resigned because he was in disagreement with other leaders desired to agree on an armistice with Germany to avoid further damages. But France surrendered on June 22, 1940, signing the armistice. France was then divided into two. Basically, the north was occupied by German forces, and the south, known as Vichy France, remained independent but was under the authoritarian leadership of Maréchal Pétain, the new chief of state who agreed to the terms of the armistice and collaborated with Nazi Germany. Around the same time, Germany signed an alliance called the Pact of Steel with Italy's fascist dictator Benito Mussolini, who had come into power back in 1922 and was also very intent on expanding Italian territory. So Italy was officially at war with Great Britain and France. In September 1940, Italy and Germany also allied with Japan by signing the Tripartite Pact in Berlin. The three countries formed the Axis. Hitler then tried to invade Great Britain, which was harder because they couldn't invade by land. German planes bombed the island during Operation Sea Lion from September 1940 to May 1941 in what's referred to as a blitz. It comes from the same word that we mentioned before, blitzkrieg, which means lightning war. Early on in the Battle of Britain, the Royal Air Force defeated the German Air Force. Nevertheless, there were many civilian casualties and infrastructure damage. Fun fact, during the war, some British soldiers were actually taken prisoners by the German, and relief organizations, with the help of British intelligence, actually sent the well-known Monopoly game to British war prisoners. Why? In fact, these boxes were designed with small compasses, different maps, and hidden currency to actually help the British soldiers escape these German prisons. Making Monopoly one of the greatest games in history. In 1940, Winston Churchill became the new Prime Minister of Great Britain, and then the following year, he actually requested help from the U.S. So the U.S. Congress passed the Lend-Lease Act, sending aid to Great Britain. The same year, Hungary, Romania, and Bulgaria joined the Axis. Germany also invaded Yugoslavia and Greece. And meanwhile, in German territory, Hitler was implemented his final solution, now known as the Holocaust, the mass extermination of Jewish people. 
Jewish people were rounded up and forced in concentration camps where millions underwent forced labor and were killed. Overall, about 6 million Jewish people were murdered in these concentration camps. In June 1941, the tide started turning. Germany actually invaded the USSR in Operation Barbarossa. This attack took the Soviets completely by surprise, so the Germans were actually able to get very close to Moscow, and they also had much more advanced aviation, which allowed them to do that. They didn't move again until October, but at that point, the Soviets launched a successful counterattack, and then there was a standstill because winter came. In my opinion, this is the point where things start to go wrong for Hitler. Now the alliance between the Germans and Soviets was over. The British, the USSR, and eventually the US will now be referred to as the Allies. Meanwhile, there's also a conflict going on in the Pacific. Back in 1937, Emperor Hirohito of Japan had attacked China in an effort to expand their empire. Since taking that territory, they were in a constant war with China. Then in 1941, Japan occupied French Indochina, so the US retaliated by freezing all Japanese assets and preventing Japan from purchasing oil which they needed to actively expand. Japan planned to take the oil needed by force and attack the US in the hopes of negotiating peace. On December 7, 1941, the Japanese attacked Pearl Harbor, which is a US naval base in Hawaii. The attack was completely unexpected. At the end, 360 Japanese aircrafts attacked and caused the death of over 2,300 American troops. Now, the U.S. had a reason and a will to enter the war. So on December 8, 1941, U.S. Congress declared war on Japan with only one vote against the decision. The rest of the Axis powers also declared war on the U.S. and the Allies. Random fun fact, when Britain had originally declared war, so did its colonies automatically, like India. And to protect the Taj Mahal from Japanese bombardments, the Indian government disguised it in scaffolding made out of bamboo, so it just looked like a bamboo stockpile. And this actually worked, and they used it again in 1971 during the Indo-Pakistani War. The Japanese had many successes at first. Ten hours after the Pearl Harbor attack, the Japanese started to invade the Philippines, which had been a U.S. territory transitioning to independence. The Japanese eventually succeeded in their invasion. Around the same time, the Japanese invaded Guam, Wake Island, and Hong Kong. And in early 1942, Japan also occupied the Dutch East Indies, now known as Indonesia, later invading Malaysia, Singapore, Burma, and eventually Thailand. But finally, in June 1942, the U.S. won the naval battle of Midway in the Pacific. And that's really when the tide started turning on the Pacific front. Beginning that summer, through February 1943, the Allies won various battles in the Solomon Islands, and they successfully used an island-hopping strategy in the Pacific to secure many small islands that had been invaded by the Japanese. Let's wrap up with the end of the war. The Allies were making progress in the Eastern Front. The Soviets launched an attack in November 1942 against the Germans. This ended up in the Battle of Stalingrad, which was one of the bloodiest battles of the war. German troops surrendered on January 31, 1943, when faced with a lack of food supplies and a harsh winter. The Allies also successfully defeated the Italians and Germans in North Africa. Back in 1935, Italian forces had actually invaded Ethiopia and other parts of that region, consolidating in the Italian East Africa. When faced with pushback from the British, the Germans sent reinforcements to the Italians. But then, during Operation Supercharge, 
British and American forces surrounded the Axis and forced them to surrender. In the summer of 1943, the Allies invaded Sicily and mainland Italy. Mussolini was actually voted out of power by his own council during an emergency meeting to discuss the future of the country. Ultimately, Mussolini was arrested and the Italians surrendered. Then, on June 6, 1944, 156,000 British, Canadian and American soldiers arrived on the beaches of Normandy in France. And this is what you all know as D-Day, when the Allies began their massive invasion of Europe. Hitler at that point had no option but to use all his resources in the western part of their European front, becoming vulnerable in the east. So the Soviets actually took that opportunity to advance into Poland, Czechoslovakia, Hungary, and Romania. Germany's last attempt to attack the Allies was the Battle of the Bulge, also known as the Ardennes Operation, between December 1944 to January 1945. It resulted in many casualties, but was ultimately unsuccessful. Fun fact, during the war, the Japanese and Germans actually used the Enigma machine to hide secret messages, and the Allies on their end created the bomb machine that helped them decipher these codes. For example, the bomb actually helped the Allies get information about the size and the location of the German troops in Normandy before D-Day. The Germans surrendered on May 7th. The surrender was approved by Admiral Karl Donitz, who was Hitler's successor, because at this point, Hitler had already committed suicide on April 30th, in a bunker in Berlin. May 8th, the day after the German surrender, is now celebrated as Victory Day in Europe. So meanwhile, progress in the war with Japan was slower. Although the Allies were making progress, there were huge casualties. And you might not know this, but during World War II, George H.W. Bush served as a pilot. He was part of a mission in September 1944 to bomb the Japanese island of Chichijima. That was a strategic territory for Japan. But in the end, Bush was the only one of nine soldiers who was not captured by the Japanese. Some of the captured Americans were cannibalized by the Japanese. And luckily, Bush was rescued by a submarine and later became president of the United States of America. The war with Japan also had an impact back home in the US. This doesn't get discussed as much, but the US government was isolating Japanese Americans. Shortly after the attack on Pearl Harbor, the US President Roosevelt had signed an executive order 9066 to avoid Japanese espionage in the US. This executive order created military zones in states where there was a big Japanese population. Overall, 120,000 people with Japanese ancestry or from Japanese descent were forcibly removed from their homes and had to live in these camps. And most of them were actually American citizens. So this constitutes one of the biggest civil rights violations in recent American history. With the victory in Europe and the Pacific War still looming, the Potsdam Conference took place during the summer of 1945. Earlier in April 1945, US President Roosevelt died of a stroke. So President Truman took office and met with Churchill and Stalin to discuss the peace terms with Germany and the ongoing war with Japan. The Potsdam Declaration divided Germany into four occupation zones controlled by the Soviet Union, Britain, the United States, and France. Germany ended up losing 25% of the territory that they had had before the start of the Second World War. This declaration also stated that if Japan were not to surrender, they would implement a massive counterattack. And it stipulated that Japan should be disarmed in the future and implement a democracy. The battle against Japan in the Pacific had been costly. 
To not risk further conflict, shortly after the Potsdam Declaration on August 6 and 9, the US dropped two atomic bombs on Japan in the cities of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. This would lead Japan to surrender under the terms of the Potsdam Declaration on August 15th. Fun fact, the US had actually been working on these atomic bombs since 1939, just studying uranium as a weapon. And in 1942, it was coined the Manhattan Project and became a complete military initiative. To date, World War II is the deadliest in history. There were 50 to 55 million civilian deaths and 21 to 25 million military casualties. The end of the war brought a new world order. The United Nations was founded as a response to the war in 1945 to promote international cooperation as a better version of the League of Nations that was formed after World War I. After the war, France regained its territory and was led provisionally by Charles de Gaulle before the start of the Fourth Republic. At that point, the Soviet Union still had a lot of power in Europe, and although the USSR and the US had fought on the same sides, they had very different ideologies. So tensions started rising after the war and led to the Cold War during the end of the century. World War I was coined the war to end all wars, but that quickly proved to be untrue. Do you think the new world order, since the end of the Second World War, makes us safe from another world war in the future? I sure hope so. So, to sum up our brush-up, after the rise of fascist dictators like Hitler and Mussolini in Europe, and the invasion of Poland by Germany and the USSR, Great Britain and France declared war in 1939. Then, Hitler continued to gain territory, ultimately invading France and persecuting millions of Jewish people in the Holocaust. Meanwhile, after the attack by Japan on Pearl Harbor, the US entered the war in 1941. After defeating Mussolini, the Allies invaded and bombed Germany, leading to the end of Nazi rule. The Potsdam Declaration set the terms for the New World Order that the Japanese were forced to comply to after the US dropped two atomic bombs on their territory. That's all that we got for today. We hope you enjoyed this history brush up. We started this podcast to make history more fun and accessible. If you enjoyed the show, please consider subscribing and giving us a positive rating. We'll catch you in the next episode. In the meantime, share your new knowledge with some friends. Or even better, share this podcast with them. We love the support.